Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio broadcast. We are continuing our study in the life of Christ, and we're going to begin a brand new section uh, today. We're going to actually begin uh, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first steps of his ministry. Remember now the last time, the last session, uh, we talked about his uh, circumcision. We talked about uh, his uh, baptism, and we talked about uh, the temptation that he went through. He has come out of the wilderness now. He is ready and prepared to begin this great, great ministry that culminates in the calling of men and women to repentance and into the building of the kingdom of God. Amen. But now we're still in the transition period and we'll still be talking concerning what the Bible has to say about John the Baptist. Uh, it's a Truly amazing how much information in the New Testament concerns uh, John the Baptist. So uh, we're still in that transition phase. And so we're going to begin now. Uh, we're going to be talking about John's record of the forerunner. That's who John the Baptist is. He is the forerunner. And uh, this transition between the ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry or the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, we just come before you now in the name of Jesus. We ask you now, give, give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Help us to glorify our Lord and Savior, and we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. <coughs> All right, we're going to begin now in John chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 15. So let's begin. John's, this is John's record now. And John bear witness of him. This is John the Baptist bear witness of him, Jesus, and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that comes after me is preferred before me before he was before me. Now, that is a very interesting statement, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John, talking about John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And so we begin here with uh, John, the Apostle John. He is uh, bearing witness. He's talking about how John the Baptist is bearing witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we begin here. Uh, so once again, verse uh, 19, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he saith, I'm not. Are you that prophet, the prophet that Moses said would come? Uh, and he answered, no. Then they said to him, well, who are you? that we may give an answer to them that sent us. What do you say of yourself? <clears throat> and he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said, well, why, why do you baptize? If you are not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not that prophet, and, Jesus, and John answered, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you who you do not know. 
He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. And these things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now, this is very interesting. We want to uh, see some things here. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and let's go back and let's look at some things that, that John said concerning the Lord Jesus. Notice that John said that he was before me. Now, this goes all the way back, and we're, we'll look at this again. This goes all the way back. Now, notice what John said. John said, he that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, we know that John the Baptist had a beginning. But also, John tells us that Jesus was in the beginning with God, which makes Jesus on the same equal plane as God the Father. And I think that's very interesting. Now, let's go on here. And, and in verse 29, notice John records, the next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So uh, John the Baptist testifies of Jesus that he was before me. In other words, that uh, that that Jesus was with God in the very beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And so now in verse 29, John says this. He says to the disciples standing near him, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So what John has stated here, is that he's not only calling Jesus the Messiah, the one who, who is to come shortly, but he is also calling Jesus the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So John sees Jesus and says to him or of him that Jesus is the Messiah, but he is also the Savior. In fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament, specifically the prophecies, prophecies of Isaiah, when Isaiah said that this son who comes, he will be called Emmanuel. He will also be called the mighty God and the everlasting father. And of course, you know, in verse 30 continues, and this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man which is preferred before me for he was before me. See, once again, John is standing. I had a beginning. All I am is a man, anointing of God. But now Jesus the one who is to come shortly, he was with God in the beginning. So we see there that John recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. And then verse 31, notice something very uh, specific that John says, and I knew him not. So what this tells me is that even though Jesus and John the Baptist uh lived together. In other words, even though that they were raised together, I mean, when I say that, I mean the same period of time, uh, they lived together, but that they weren't raised together. In other words, that uh, I look at this as, as John the Baptist and Jesus lived completely separate lives. Well, uh, they didn't live in the same territory. Um, matter of fact, Mary had to take a journey to, to go to where... Um, 
uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias lived, and so, which would have been in the confines of Judea. Remember that Mary was from was from Nazareth, and that's quite a journey back then. And so, once again, John says, "And I knew him not, but that he should be manifest to Israel." Therefore. I come baptizing him with water. In other words, John' ministry was that to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. And of course, John recognizes that. He calls Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And verse 32, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. So, we're going back now to the point where John baptized Jesus and John saw in the spirit. He saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, lighting upon the Lord Jesus when he came out of the water and remaining on him. And of course, that was something that that John would experience when John went to preach. The spirit of God was upon him and then the spirit of God would recede. But now with the Lord Jesus, the spirit of God came on him and remained on him. Just like when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he remains on us, praise God. Now, we have different manifestations. There are times where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is stronger than at other times. But we have not only the Holy Spirit in us, we have the Holy Spirit upon us, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I just preach myself happy. Once again, verse 32, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not. Notice he says that again. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom you shall see the spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which will baptize people with the Holy Ghost. And then John says this. And I saw and bed record that this is the son of God. In other words, that this is the Messiah. This is the divine Son of God. This is the second person of the Godhead. And let me tell you something. The Trinity, that is a revelation, praise God. Amen. It's throughout the Bible, and but it's in there, praise God. Hallelujah. And it is a revelation. Amen. So judging from the record of the Scriptures concerning John the Baptist, we can be sure that this man... His person and his ministry that, number one, he was bold and he was fearless when it came to denouncing evil. Amen. Denouncing evil is what got John into trouble. But now here's the thing. The fire of his preaching, being anointed of the Holy Ghost, he actually spoke to men's souls. And this is why preachers and pastors need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They need to have that personal visitation. Amen. Taking upon him the very image and very nature and character of Christ before they step into the pulpit. We better be looking to the Holy Spirit to anoint us uh, when we get behind the pulpit to preach the gospel because, amen, we're not preaching the men's minds. If we don't have if we don't have the anointing upon us, that's all we're doing. We're just preaching the men's minds. But when the Holy Ghost is upon us, we preach to men's souls. And by preaching to men's souls, it compels them, it confronts them and compels them to repent of sin and to confess their sins. Amen. Praise God. And so that's that's the nature of the ministry of John the Baptist. 
And of course, we also know that he was selfless in his devotion to God. He recognized the coming of the Lord Jesus. And he also recognized the fact that the coming of Jesus meant the termination of his ministry. He said in himself, I must decrease, but he must increase. Amen. Praise God. This is tremendous, a tremendous man of God. This is somebody, a man that uh, we can compare his selflessness to the selfishness of Satan. See, John here knew that he had a short time. Well, Satan also knows. We know that from the book of Revelation. Satan also knows that he has a short time. But now judge the actions of Satan and compare them to the actions of John. John was a total selfless, selfless individual. Amen. And he was preparing the way for the king. Amen. He was a preacher and also a teacher. He's called a teacher. He had a prophetic voice. But he points not at himself, but he points always to God and to the one who is to come. Amen. Now, here's a section. This is found in Acts chapter 13, verses 25 and 23. This this describes to us the tragedy of unbelief. If there's a tragedy in, in Israel at this time and even exists today, it is the tragedy of unbelief. Actually, if you look at what Israel practices today, they have yielded to darkness. They have yielded to a spirit of Antichrist. When they, when they refuse to allow Christians to witness on the street corners, when they try to deny them uh, a building to worship in, when they restrict them in their worship, all that is, is the spirit of this world. And unfortunately, they have yielded themselves for the most part. But I'm telling you that there, there is a revival movement going on in Israel today, and I say praise God for it. But notice this is Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 25. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think that I am? I am not that one. No, but he is coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. That's reading from the NIV translation. So here's the tragedy of Israel's unbelief. But now God's not through with the nation of Israel. Don't ever think that. Don't ever think that God is through with the nation of Israel and that, and that the church has replaced Israel in prophecy. That's not true. Amen. God is primarily dealing with the Gentiles now, but he's also dealing with the nation of Israel. You know, 30 or 40 years ago, there was uh, perhaps 7,000 Jews living in Israel that accept Jesus as the Messiah. Well, that number, that number has tripled. And for a very, very small uh, race of people, I think throughout the world, 13 million, nearly half a million now of Jews Jewish extraction 
are now Messianic Jews. They have received Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so it's it's the Jews, the saved Jews, and the saved Gentiles that make up the body of Christ. Praise God. All right, now we're going on to another section. Now we're actually beginning now the transition. We're still going to be talking some about John the Baptist. Uh, His ministry and the ministry of Jesus are intertwined all the way up until uh, John is uh, executed. But now this is, we're talking here about the, the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. So Jesus begins by choosing disciples. And there's four here that, uh, that we're going to see. This is found in John chapter 1. As a matter of fact, we're going to be in the Gospel of John now for a little bit. Uh, this is found in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. Notice what uh, John records. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples And he looked upon Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. This is a reiteration of what we had had read earlier. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Now we're going to find out who these two disciples are. And now we see here that John's selflessness once again is displayed. Now he has his own disciples. But yet there's two disciples standing next to him. And basically... What John is saying is that's the man you need to follow. That's the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. That's the man that I've been talking to you about. Amen. And uh, so the dis- two disciples that heard him speak, they left following John and began to f- and want and desire to follow Jesus. Amen. I-, I tell you, I think that's wonderful. You know, we as pastors, we get so hurt when people leave our church and go to another church. But, you know, we really should be happy. Actually, what we should be doing is we should be getting people into the church, new converts, young people, amen, training them, discipling them to go forth and to carry the ministry of the Lord Jesus with them. Sure, there are those that are called into our church to stay with us, to help us, to keep the church strong. But we shouldn't be sad when others go out and uh, and start to uh, Uh, you know, ministering and start doing other things. I say, praise God for it. Amen. I didn't always feel that way. You know, I was, you know, in younger ministry, I was always jealous towards uh, my own church members. But I look at that much differently today. I say, praise God for it. If you can go anywhere and serve God better and do more for God, then, then by all means go. Praise God. All right. Now, Verse 38, and Jesus turned and beheld them following and said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And they came, therefore, and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. That would be about four in the afternoon. So getting near uh, time for uh, sunset. And uh, verse 40, and one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, who do you think the other one was, the other disciple? Well, that was the one writing this gospel, the Apostle John. And so, reading on, verse 41, And he found first his own brother Simon and said to him, and he found first, notice that, he found first his own brother Simon. So evidently he was looking for Simon, and uh, maybe he ran into some friends and told them what he told Simon Peter. And said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him, and said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, now, isn't this interesting? 
John and Andrew come to Jesus. Andrew goes and brings Peter and brings Peter to Jesus. But now Jesus, as he journeys, he finds Philip. Look at verse 43. And the next day he purposed to go forth in the gal, and he found Philip. Isn't it interesting how that most of us have come to Christ based upon the testimony of a friend or a family member? Amen. And then there are those that God finds. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. That God find, God himself finds. And I think there's so many people in the kingdom of God where just by God's sovereign mercy and his grace appears to them and calls them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. But it's all the work of God drawing men to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I like that. Uh, verse 43 again. The next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee and he found Philip and Jesus said to him, follow me. That's all he said. Just follow me. Now, Philip was from Beth Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him. See, here we have both the witness of Jesus finding individuals and th those that believe Jesus going and bringing individuals to him. I tell you, evangelism is so very, very important. Praise God. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no God, in whom is no God. Notice that. Behold, an Israelite indeed, not just an Israelite, but an Israelite indeed. Amen. Praise God. And so what that tells me. Well, uh, let's just go ahead and read a couple of verses. Uh, and Nathanael said to him, who do you how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, what do you suppose Nathanael was doing underneath the fig tree? Well, I pretty much believe that Nathanael was praying, giving his devotion to God. Jesus saw him. And so, you know, what that tells me that when you bow your knees, Jesus sees you. He sees you bowing your knees. He sees you raising your hands and your lips and your heart towards God. He sees that. Praise God. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? For his eyes are over the righteous. I mean, he sees you, brother. He sees you, sister. You're not alone. Praise God. You may feel alone. There may not be much stirring down on the inside of you, but I'm telling you what, if you will just hold on to Jesus, praise God. Amen. And just stay with prayer. Stay with praise. Stay with proclamation. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to her prayer and to their prayers. Praise God. And so what Jesus, I think, meant by an Israelite indeed, Jesus was saying this to Nathaniel, that which is in you. I see working out of you. What a tremendous testimony. Now, there are Christians and then there are Christians indeed. Those that 
that have Christ on the inside of them, working out of them. Praise God. What a tremendous testimony. Amen. And so once again, uh, verse 50, and Jesus answered and said to him, now this is after Nathanael said, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the king of Israel. And then Jesus says this, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? (laughs) Amen. Praise God. In other words, just something that simple. Do you believe? Remember now, Jesus is, is dealing with unbelief, gross unbelief, but not in these men. You notice he says, you shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, notice this. You shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Now, what does that remind you of? Well, that reminds us of Jacob and Bethel. Heavens being open and he saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder that stretched all the way from earth, all the way up to heaven. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying that ladder that Jacob saw, that's who I am. I'm the one that has charge over the angels. Remember the 91st Psalm for he shall give the angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways to bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. See, that's speaking to the divinity of Christ. He's the one that has authority over the angels. Amen. You truly, the angels of God descending and descending on the son of man, on the son of man. Praise God. That tells me that all of heaven is behind this great movement of the Savior. Glory to God. Amen. And then, of course, you know, we see Andrew and John. You know, they find Jesus based upon John the Baptist's testimony. And then Andrew goes and brings his brother Simon to Jesus. And then then Jesus finds Philip. And then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. Amen. Praise God. So this group is growing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Now, we're not we're, we'll have to pick up next time, but we want to go ahead into this section real quick. And uh, we'll start here again in our next session. But now this is the first miracle of Jesus in Cana of Galilee. This is found in John chapter two, beginning in verse one. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Now we'll look at that uh, in our next session. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons of water each. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and didn't know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, then that which is poor. But you have kept the good wine until now. And then verse 11 says, This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee 
and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So the main reason why Jesus performed this miracle was that those disciples that were with him at this time would believe that he is exactly what he says uh, he is. And of course, through the Gospel of John, he records seven miracles and all seven of these miracles point to his divine nature as the Son of God, the infinite God-man. And this is the first one, turning the water into wine. And so he proves to his disciples through this miracle that he is the Son of God. Amen. He is the one who is to come. Amen. And we'll stop right there. Heavenly Father, we bless you now in the name of Jesus. Father, take the word, Lord, and encourage us, Lord, and strengthen our heart and our faith uh, more deeply than ever before to give you glory and praise and honor. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.